So Leviticus 26, and we're going to kind of just touch a little bit on chapter 27, but as we finish up Leviticus, focusing mainly on chapter 26. And if you would please stand with me in honor of God as we read portions of this chapter together. Reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible, verse 1. You shall not make idols for yourselves or erect an image or pillar, and you shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest, and the grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing. And you shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land securely. I will give you peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand Then your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you. And you will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old store long kept. And you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. I will make my dwelling among you. And my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and and will be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. Verse 14, but, but if you will not listen to me, And will not do all these commandments if you spurn my statutes and if your soul abhors my rules that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant. Then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease and fever that consumes the eyes and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you and you shall flee when none pursue you. And if in spite of this you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins, and I will break the pride of your power. And I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze, and your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield its increase, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. And he continues to talk about the discipline and judgment that awaits the people if they will not obey him. And we come down to verse 40. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers and their treachery that they committed against me and also in walking contrary to me so that I walk contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. And I will remember my covenant with Israel and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. But the land shall be abandoned by them and enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. And they shall make amends for their iniquity because they spurned my rules and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them 
Neither will I abhor them so as to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. But I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes and rules and laws that the Lord made between himself and the people of Israel throughout, or through Moses on Mount Sinai. You may be seated. May God encourage us through his word this morning. Father, we do recognize your great grace to us in your word. Teach us this morning as we place our faith in your son Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. In his sovereignty and his grace, God has so designed his moral universe that our consequence, our actions have consequences. When we do that which is right, when we walk in obedience to God, we experience God's blessing. And by God's grace, whenever we walk in disobedience to him, we experience sorrow. We live in a world of of consequences. My daughter, Ellie, some of you have heard this, this story. I've mentioned it to several of you, and I think most of you know the story that we have this, this new pet in our life, uh, Millie the Wonder Guinea Pig, and she's uh, just a great joy to Ellie. And um, <laughs> no, she's a sweet thing. Uh, so, so Ellie, Ellie told me a few weeks ago, she said, Dad, I, I, I'm going to teach Millie to, to climb up the stairs. And I said, okay, sounds, sounds great. And she said, okay. And so one Monday morning, she came to me as I was getting ready to go to work, and she said, Dad, you want to come see Millie climb up the stairs? I said, uh, sure. And so we go to the bottom of the stairs, and she places Millie at the bottom of the stairs, and she puts some food at the top of the stairs, and she says, go, Millie. And Millie looks at Ellie, and looks around, looks at me. Nothing, right? So Ellie, uh, Ellie, Ellie says, good job. And she takes her front paws, and she lifts them up, and she puts them on the first step. And Millie looks, looks at her, looks at me, just kind of does this. And then, and then uh, Ellie takes her her back paws, and she picks them up, and she, Ellie puts them on the first step, and she goes, good job, Millie, and <laughs> Millie just kind of stands there, looks at Ellie, looks at me, and uh, I said, sweetheart, um, I got to get to work. Um, why don't you keep having her go up the stairs, and, uh, and you're doing great. Love it, and she goes, okay, good job, Millie, and she, I can hear her just, you know, <laughs> each step, good job. All right, so uh, a couple days go by, and, and uh, Ellie says, Dad, do you want to see uh, Millie go up the stairs again? And I said, yes, yes, I, I do, but I only have an hour, sweetie. So let's, so she takes, she takes Millie the wonder guinea pig and she sits her at the bottom of the, of the, of the stairs and she says, she says, go, Millie, go. And I'm not kidding you, Millie looked at her and she looked at me and then Millie went. I mean, she just shot up those stairs. And got to the top and started eating the food that was there at the top of the stairs. Now, I don't know if guinea pigs respond to positive reinforcement. um, But I do know they like food, right? And Ellie had trained Millie to understand that there is a a path 
of happiness, right? There is a path of, of blessing that as you get to the top of the stairs, there's food, right? Now, you and I are not guinea pigs, obviously, but God has also, in his grace, allowed us to understand that there are paths that lead to blessing, to joy. God has allowed us to understand in this, this moral universe that he has created that when we walk in a path that is in obedience to him, there's happiness. And when we choose to, to walk in a path of disobedience, there's sorrow. As we come to the end of the book of Leviticus this morning, we see that God tells his people, look, all these things that I've told you, if, if you decide to walk in obedience to me, you're going to experience blessing. And if you decide not to walk in obedience to me, you're going to experience sorrow. Now, I, I hope that this message is encouraging to both those of you who are in Christ and those of you this morning who aren't in Christ. By, by in Christ, I mean a, a person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, have been united with him through faith. And I hope that this message is encouraging to you because I'm, I'm sure that there are some of us this morning who are experiencing some sorrow in our lives, right? And some of us would say, you know what, Daniel, as I think about the sorrow, that the pain that I'm going through this, this, through this morning, some of us might say it's, it's just living in a fallen world, but some of us might say the sorrow that I'm experiencing this morning is a direct result of some bad decisions that I've made to not walk with the Lord. Some of us would say, I'm experiencing what you might call the, the law of the harvest we see in Galatians 6. What Paul writes in Galatians 6. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Some of you this morning would say, you know what, Daniel, um, I, I'm reaping some things that I've, I've sown, and I have some sorrow in that. As a believer, even. I've reaped some things in my relationship with my spouse that, that I know are the result of seeds that I've planted earlier. I'm reaping some things in relationships with my children or with friends that I know are the result of, of choices that I've made, bad choices. So maybe some of you are, are not believers this morning. You're not in Christ. You haven't trusted in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And maybe that's a realization you've only come to recently. Maybe it's something that, that no one else knows. Maybe your, your parents don't even know that you're not a believer. Or maybe your uh, spouse doesn't even know that you're not a believer, a Christian. You haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And yet this morning you would say, boy, I, I know that I am experiencing some things in my life that are the direct result of some decisions that I've made to walk in disobedience to God. You're experiencing Proverbs 13.15. Proverbs 13.15 says, The way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the treacherous is a, is a difficult path. And you would say this morning, okay, I, I know as I, as I look at what's happening in my life, I, I made some decisions a while ago. I made the decision to do some things that my parents told me not to do. In fact, maybe some of you are young this morning and say, my, my parents don't even know some of the decisions that I've made. They're, they're unaware of the decisions that I've made. I, I thought these decisions were going to be decisions that brought me some happiness. But you'd say this morning, they're not. 
they're not bringing me the happiness that I thought they would. Or maybe you're experiencing that the way of the transgressor is hard in, in other areas. Maybe you've, you've, you've blatantly made some decisions in, in your marriage or in your friendship, in school, in work, and you've made those decisions to not live in obedience to God, and now you're saying, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing the fruit of that. It's, it's not pleasant. My hope would be this morning that each of us would take hope in what we see here in Scripture. We would understand that, that God places these, these times of sorrow and difficulty in our life whenever we walk in disobedience, not to overwhelm us, not to discourage us, but to draw us closer to his son, Jesus. And my hope this morning would be that, that each of us would experience the joy, the fullness of joy of walking in obedience with Christ. Here's the main thing that I want us to get from our, our time together this morning. It's, it's this, in Christ, in Christ I experience the fullness of God's presence and the blessing of obedience. In Christ, when I'm in Jesus Christ, trusting in him, I experience the fullness of God's presence and therefore the, the blessing that comes from obedience. We're going to unpack that this morning, as, as we go through, you don't need to write all these things down right now, but there's kind of three things we're going to look at. First of all, we're going to see that where God is, is present, there is blessing. Then we're going to see that where God is absent, there's sorrow. And then we're going to see that where there's sorrow, there's hope of deliverance. We're going to talk through those things. Again, you don't need to get them all down now, but let's start with this, this first one. The first thing we see is this. Where God is present... There is blessing. Where God is present, there is blessing. Look at your Bibles with me, if you would, and, and look at Leviticus 26, and I want you to notice a progression that takes place here. As you start off in verses 1 and 2, you see this idea of worship. And God through Moses says, look, you shall, you shall not make idols for yourselves. Don't, and he kind of describes that process. Don't erect an image or a pillar. Don't set up a figured stone in your land. Don't, don't bow down to worship it, for I am the Lord your God. And as we go through this chapter, we're going to see that he's talking a lot about place, about location, about where they are physically. And he's saying, in this location, you're to worship me. And as you worship me, I'm to dwell there among you in a special way. So don't worship false gods in this area. Begin with worship of me. And then he says, uh, as an example, keep my Sabbaths. Reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Then he goes more general. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them. So he's, he's talking about there that, that word walk means to, to conduct yourself. So the way you live your life should be in accordance with these statutes, with these commandments that I have given you. So, starts with worship. Worship me. Worship me rightly. Don't worship false gods. Don't come into Canaan and say, you know what? This is a nice place. Let's worship Yahweh God. Let's also worship, the, worship these other gods. He says, no, come here. Come to this place, this location, and as you live here, walk here. Again, that word walk means to conduct yourself and and here in this passage and others, it carries with it the idea of, 
of walking in, in faithfulness to another person. You're, you're keeping your covenant commitment with them, with God here. So worship me. Then as you worship me, you're going to live a certain way. You're going to live in obedience to me. And then as you live in obedience to me, as you worship me, what's going to happen? There's going to be blessing. And as you look at verses 4 through 13, you see some things about these blessings. And I hope again you're looking at your text. Verse 4, verse 6, and verse 11 all begin with the same word that means I will give. Now it's translated a little bit differently in the ESV in verse 11. But essentially as he begins in verse 4 and as he begins in verse 6 and he begins in verse 11, he's describing the, the blessings that the people of Israel are going to receive. They're going to receive the blessing of provision in verses 4 and 5. So he's going to, to give them their fruit. He's going to allow the land to yield its increase. They're going to uh, have plenty of sustenance to eat from one harvest season to the other. They're going to dwell in the land securely, right? So there's going to be this, this provision. And then in verses 6 through 10, we see not only, not only is there going to be provision, there's going to be peace. Verse 6, I will give peace in the land. You shall lie down and none shall make you afraid. I think I've shared this before, but whenever our, our second son was born, I'm not quite sure why this was, but whenever, I'm sorry, when our first son, our second child, our first son was born, I, I, I felt just this, this sense of, of fear. I can remember being there in the hospital um, and just not being able to sleep, sitting in that, um, that room where they keep all the babies, the, the baby aquarium there, in the, in the whatever you call that, and just, just kind of sitting there watching him as, as, he, as he slept. I hope everything's okay. And, I, and the nurses would come, what, what's your, I thought you already had one of these. I said, I know, but just nervous. Brought him home and just kind of staying up at night watching and making sure everything was okay and just this sense of fear. And my mom realized what was going on spiritually and, and she, she sent me a, a little plaque with Psalm 4, 8 on it, in, which says, in, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety, right? So God says, okay, whenever you worship me, you're going to be obedient to me, and that obedience is going to bring, bring blessing, and there's going to be the blessing of, of provision. There's going to be the blessing of, of peace. And then he says, and there's going to be the blessing of my, my presence. And that's what this all culminates in. Look, look down at verse 11. He says, I will make my dwelling among you. I'm going to tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And there, again in verse 12, is the word walk. And so he's now saying, I'm going to, in this, in, in, in this, in this way, be, be present among you. I'm going to walk among you. I'm going to be your God, and you shall be my, my people this special relationship with God is what the covenant is all about. And God says, the ultimate blessing that you are going to receive is my presence. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to, to dwell with you in a special way. That's, that's the ultimate blessing. The psalmist says in Psalm 16, verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. 
Verse 5 of Psalm 16, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup, you hold my lot. The people are told, look, if you worship God, if, if God's present among you as you worship him, you're going to be obedient to him. And as you're obedient, you're going to experience his blessing. And the ultimate blessing is his presence, which allows you to worship him. It's, it's a cycle, right? You say, now how, how does Leviticus 26 apply to you and me? Right? Sometimes I've, I've heard people come to Psalm, uh, sorry, Leviticus 26 and and try to talk about the, the physical provisions that God promises the people of Israel and say, well, well we get those things too. You know? If I'm obedient to God, then God's going to give me the stuff that I want. One person I was reading this this past week said, you know, we need to claim Leviticus 26.13 for ourselves when it comes to our debt, that God is going to release us from the bondage of debt. Or they come to, to verse 4 of Leviticus 26, I'm sorry, verse, uh, um, yeah, 4 of Leviticus 26, I will give you rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And one person writing on this was writing to Christians and says, God promises that your due season of harvest is coming. Be encouraged because your appointed time of increase, favor, and promotion is on its way. He will fulfill your every dream, right? Now, now why is that such a wrong way to understand this, this passage. So, so think, think with me again on this, right? There's worship of God, which leads to obedience, which leads to blessing. And what's, what's the ultimate blessing? It's, it's God in his presence, being able to experience him. And, and what, has, what, have, what have some people twisted this to mean? Well, I worship God, I obey him, and I get me. <laughs> I get my stuff. What, what a, a tragic, a tragic misinterpretation of what God is saying here, right? What's happening here in Leviticus, th- these are not words to individuals, first of all. God's speaking to a, to a group of people and a group of covenant people that he's saying, okay, this is, this is how things are going to be in this place, in this location. That's not his word to us. You say, well, what is his word to us? What I believe that God is saying to us, who are also his covenant people, is that there's a, a fundamental principle for all, for all of humanity. As you live in obedience to God, there are blessings that come from that. There are blessings. In fact, you could even say there, there, are blessing, there are blessings for the believer and, and just all of humanity. All of humanity, we believe in God's common grace toward all people. And the, the more aligned you are with how God tells you to live your life, the, 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 the happier you're going to be in many senses. So a, a family that, that isn't a family of believers, certainly that, that family, if, they, if they, mom and dad love each other and as they love their kids, and you know, that, that family is going to experience good things from that, right? You eat well and you uh, exercise and you're going to see fruit from that. You don't have to be a believer to experience that. That's God's common grace to all people. I was at, um, I was at Bethany Baptist this past week and uh, ran into a couple of people over the last week from Bethany Baptist and two of them came up to me and they said, Daniel, 
we had heard, or the agent said, I, you know, I had heard you'd, you've really been lifting weights and getting ripped. Now, what, they, what I heard them not say was, and obviously that's not true, right? They, in fact, I don't know if I said that right way. Daniel, I had heard you've been lifting weights and getting really ripped. And I didn't let them off the hook. I said, that's right. What do you think? You know? That was me flexing, by the way. In case you, you know. It was obvious, you know, the, the, the fruit is in, the, you know, the, the results... Uh, before and after pictures, when the, the pictures are the same, you know that the, nothing has happened, right? Believers, unbelievers, both can experience God's common grace. Things ha- you, you do something, there's a result from it. You, you lift weights, you exercise, you eat well, and you, you see that the fruit of that. And that's true for believers and unbelievers. But here's the deal, too. We also see that, that believers receive some special blessings from God. There's blessing of, of salvation, it says, God raised up Jesus in Acts 3 to, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, writes Paul in Ephesians 1, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, the, the beauty of what we see in Scripture is that Christians receive special blessings as we have a heightened ability to walk in obedience to God. And we'll talk more about that as we go on. But this, this past week, one of the reasons I was at Bethany Baptist was I was there for uh, Lowell Wallen's funeral. And many of you may know Lowell. He was, a, uh, he was 95 years old and had walked with the Lord for many, many decades. And just hearing people talk about the, the wonderful things that had happened in his life was just a, a, just a huge affirmation of what it looks like to, to experience the blessing of a life lived in obedience to God. Had the opportunity to talk with Bill Kurtz. Uh, who's been at Bethany Baptist for over 60 years. He was married for over 60 years. And just talking with him about his love for his wife, and, his, and, he, and he said, uh, I miss her every day. And, and you could just see the sorrow, but it was a sorrow that came with, with joy as well because apart from that, that faithful obedience to God, by God's grace, th- there would be no beautiful relationship like the one he had with his spouse. Apart from decade after decade of faithful ministry in, in a church, he wouldn't have experienced the joy of loving Bethany Baptist so deeply and so dearly. There are blessings that come to us when God is present and we walk, when God is present and we walk in obedience to him. We can't experience those apart from obedience. Now, the second thing we see, though, we see this also. Where God is absent, there's sorrow. And let me just kind of walk quickly with you through verses 14 through 39. What we see here is that now this is, this is the opposite of blessing. Instead of walking in obedience to God, they're walking in, in disobedience to God. And the punishments get progressively worse. Verses 14 and 15 say that as they talk about the disobedience, we see that it's a heart issue. It's people not listening to him. They don't do what God has commanded and the reason they're not doing it is because their hearts are not right with him. They, they spurn his statutes. Their soul abhors his rules. This isn't just not doing what God says. There's a heart attitude that, that doesn't love God, doesn't worship him, and therefore they don't do what he tells them to do. And then he describes some of the coming discipline, judgment. Verses 16 and 17, we see that there's, instead of peace, there's panic. He says, I will... I will um, 
If, if you do not uh, do these things, I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease. And then as you go through each of the next paragraphs, you, you see that there's kind of this, this common phrase that's used, if you will not listen to me. And then he says, I will discipline you against sevenfold. That means there will be an, an increasing discipline. So there's panic instead of peace in verses 16 and 17. There's bad crops in verses 18 through 20. There's attack by beasts in verses 21 and 22. They're delivered in the hands of the enemy in verses 23 through 26. There's exile in verses 27 through verse 39. It's a culmination of God's discipline in that last paragraph in which terrible, terrible things happen to the people. So, it's the opposite of blessing. Instead of good land, it's bad land. Instead of living in the land, they're going to be in exile. Instead of the wild beast being removed, they're going to be sent. Instead of the sword being removed, the sword is going to be sent. There's this, there's this contrast for those who walk in disobedience they receive the exact opposite of the people who walk in obedience. Now you say, why, why would God be so cruel? Why would God do this? Look again at the text and, and notice Notice why God is doing these things, and, and notice the progression that takes place. So he sends panic instead of peace in verses 16 through 17, and then he says in verse 18, and if in spite of this you will not listen to me. In other words, I, I'm doing this first, and my hope is that you turn, but if you don't, then this is going to happen. And he says his goal in verse 19 is to break their pride. So instead of walking in obedience to God, they've decided to walk on, on their own path. He says, I'm, I'm, going to break, I'm going to break your pride. I'm going to do what it takes to turn you back to myself. Now, they choose instead of walking with him to walk contrary to him. You see that over and over again. You walk contrary. The purpose of these curses is not to overwhelm them but to call them back to obedience. And that's why we call this the, the, the blessing of God's discipline. God's discipline is not designed to, to overwhelm us, but to cause us to, to say this is not a happy path. I want to experience the fullness of God's joy, and, and this isn't it. I, I need to change. Now, again, all of humanity experiences this. You don't have to be a believer to experience this, this reality. And in fact, I would suggest that for those of us who love the people that God has placed in our lives who aren't believers, this, this reality can be a, a powerful evangelistic tool. As you come alongside a, a co-worker or a neighbor or a family member and you, you look at their life and, and they as you have this relationship with them, they, they come alongside you and you come alongside them and, and they say, you know what, I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I'm just, my, my marriage, I'm so, I'm so sorrowful about my marriage or I'm so sorrowful about my relationship with my girlfriend or I'm, I'm just feeling such, such pain as I go through this situation at work and, and, and there's just this, this sorrow and, and as a believer, we have the ability to say, look, I understand I hear, I hear the pain that you're going through, and, and sometimes as we come alongside people who are in pain, we say, you know what, that's just the reality of living in a fallen world. This is the result of others' sin against you. But sometimes we have the ability to say, look, um, 
let me just share with you the, the good news of, of Jesus Christ and, and the hope and the joy that is, that is found in him. We can say, I've experienced some of the same things that you have, and, and let me tell you where I have found my joy, and that is, being, that is in being obedient to the King of Kings, to, to Jesus Christ. And, and let me just share you, with you my story. That, that's one great thing, I think, to take away from this as we think about how Leviticus 26 applies to us. We have the ability to see this principle lived out in human beings throughout history, including the human beings who live next door to us, who live in our home. We have the ability to say, look, let me, let me just share with you the hope. Also, as believers, as we come to this passage, we recognize the reality of Hebrews 12 that tells us that, that God disciplines those he loves. And there are, are some of us this morning who are believers who would say, I'm hurting, I'm experiencing sorrow. And the sorrow that I'm experiencing, I know, is directly related to some bad decisions and choices that I've made. I've made this decision in work. I've made this decision in my home life. I've made this decision with my spouse. I've made this decision with my friends at school. I've made this decisions with my coworkers, with other believers. I made this decision, and I was, I was really hoping that this would be the result. I made this decision... This decision was in, was in disobedience to God. My, my hope was this. My reality is this. And, and I recognize that this reality in which I find myself this morning is, is a direct consequence of, of this decision that I made. And I'm experiencing sorrow. I'm experiencing sorrow in my parenting I'm experiencing sorrow in my work. I'm experiencing sorrow in the church. I'm experiencing sorrow in these relationships. And I, I recognize that it's, that it's tied to this. Why is God doing this? Isn't he gracious? And the answer is yes. God is gracious in that he is refusing to allow you to experience joy apart from his presence. And in his love for you this morning, he's, he's reminding you, hey, joy is found in me. Joy is found in me. Joy is found in me. Here's the third truth for us to think about as we think about the sorrow we experience. And it, it's this. Where there is sorrow, there's hope for deliverance in Christ. So where God is present, there's blessing, and I, I, I know about that, and I, I think about that. And where God is absent, there's, there's sorrow, and, and I, I know that reality. But, but here's the, the joy. The joy that we can think about is, look, in this sorrow, I, I know the deliverance is found in Christ. And look at the, what the text tells us. As we look at this, we see that, that, that God says, okay, um, when you recognize through my discipline of you, through judgment, when you recognize why this is taking place, you have this opportunity to repent. He says, if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, and uh, th- they recognize that this, that's why I walk contrary to them, so they've, they've confessed, they've agreed with God that their sin is sinful, and then they, they, they're, they're humbled. So instead of walking in pride, they're now walking in humility. 
And it says, then if they make amends, that is, if they've turned from their sin, I'm going to be faithful. The covenant is going to hold firm. Now, notice, though, for example, when you look at verse 41, it says their uncircumcised heart is humbled. It doesn't say when they humble their hearts. It says whenever their hearts are humbled. In other words, God's discipline is effective. God is the one through external and internal means causes their heart to be humbled so they can turn back to him. God says when that happens, relationship is restored. And again, you'll experience the, the joy of my presence. Okay, this is, this is Leviticus 26. Leviticus 27 talks about vows and keeping those. And what happens after Leviticus 26 and 27? Do they keep their vows? We come to Numbers, we come to Deuteronomy, they're encamped in the plains of Moab. Moses gives them the the law, reminds them of walking obedience. They go into the promised land and there is success, but then there is quickly failure and turning away from God. Our family is reading Judges right now in our, our family quiet time. It is a depressing book as we see this pattern of sin and then being brought into servitude and then God saving them but then their sin. So, he, spoiler alert, if, if you don't know how the Bible ends or if you don't know how the story of the Israelites end, it doesn't go well in the next few centuries. They don't walk in obedience to God. They don't, there's the option of blessing and obedience, a bless, blessing, <laughs> blessing of obedience or disobedience and sorrow, they get disobedience and sorrow. But what happens as you continue reading the story that's set up here in Leviticus 26? You you know what happens? God doesn't say, hey, I warned you. Hey, Leviticus 26, I warned you. You didn't read it. Tough. What does he do? What does he do? He keeps promising them salvation. And he keeps promising them salvation in a person, in the Messiah. You come to, I don't have time to read these, but you come to Psalm 72, and it talks about this Messiah who's going to bring blessing to the land. In Isaiah 11, it's the Messiah who brings blessing to the land. You come to Ezekiel 34, and he talks about this covenant that he's going to make and the, the land. It's all going to be through the Messiah. You come to Ezekiel 36, and he says, I, this is God, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. In other words, Leviticus 26 is not going to be effective in causing them to live in obedience. God says, I'm going to have to intervene in a dramatic, miraculous way to allow you to be in a relationship with me. Because some of us are, let me, let me warn you like I've warned you in other weeks that we've gone through Leviticus. Some of us are thinking, okay, this morning, disobedience brings curse. Obedience brings blessing. I'm experiencing some sorrow, so I need, to, I need to work better and do more good things to experience the blessing. And that's the exact wrong way to approach this. Because what does God tell us? God tells his people, you can't do it. You're not going to be able to 
walk with me. You're going to continue to walk contrary with me. I'm going to have to intervene in a dramatic way through a coming king, and he is going to give you a new heart that allows you to walk in obedience to me. Now, how does that apply to you and to me? Just like the Israelites, apart from God's divine intervention in our lives, we don't have the ability to experience God's blessing. In other words, we can't say, you know what, I believe that it's true that walking in obedience to God brings blessings, so I'm going to try really hard to walk in obedience. Oh, I see some disobedience, I'm experiencing sorrow, got to change that, let's do the right thing. We do want to do the right thing, but it doesn't begin with us just saying, I'm going to do the right thing. What does God tell us? Galatians 3. Galatians 3 tells us that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, in him, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. This morning, this, this message of Leviticus 26 reminds us, look, where, where God is present, there's blessing, there's joy. Where God is, is absent in my life, there's, there's sorrow. But it helps us, it helps us understand that I, I don't get the blessing by just stopping being disobedient. I, I need God to intervene in a dramatic way. I deserve the curse in other words, none of us are ever going to be able to say, I need to get to be to where I'm obedient enough to get the blessing so that God will be present. God has to be present. We turn to him in faith, and then we can receive the blessing of obedience in Christ, not in ourselves. Christ experiences the consequences of the curse for me so that I can experience the blessings of obedience in him. God looks at me, and as God looks at me when I'm in Christ, when I've trusted in Jesus Christ, God looks at me and he doesn't see my disobedience, he sees Christ's obedience, and I get to experience the blessing of his presence. And if I, as I experience the blessing of his presence, what can I do? I can walk in obedience. I can walk in obedience today, not because of my own righteousness, but because of Christ's. This morning, if you're thinking about the reality of, of sorrow, let me encourage you, as you think about the reality of sorrow and you see connections with things you've done in the past, don't say, I'm going to start doing things better. Say, I'm going to cling to Christ. I'm going to ask for God's forgiveness. I'm going to, repent. I'm going to confess with him that those things are wrong. And I'm going to say, God, I'm clinging to Jesus. Help me. Help me to change. Help me to be obedient in him. Come to him first by faith. It's a hard road. It's a road of starts and stops here in this life before Christ returns and we experience the fullness of redemption in him. We do so on the basis of faith in what God says in Revelation 22. As we look forward to today when it, when it says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, in the new heaven and the new earth. And his servants will worship him. We have the ability through our faith in Jesus Christ to walk in obedience now and look forward to a day where we worship him in perfection.
experiencing the fullness of his presence and obedience. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for the life that we have through our faith in him. Give us the the ability to walk in joy with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.